What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the podcast today, we bring on my main man, JC. Uh, you can give us the proper pronunciation of your last name, uh, given the fact that I'm known to just butcher everyone's last name on this uh, podcast. JC Campagna. That's the that's the easiest way, Campagna. Campagna. Okay. Well, you you're a stud. Um, awesome player. Unbelievable shot. Got some size to you and unreal hands. I think we'll get into where that came from, but... Uh, before we get going, let's maybe get the uh, 30 second quick background of your story. Yeah, so I, I was born in Dallas, um, shortly moved to Colorado, and that's where I spent most of my childhood. Uh, I, I got into hockey. My sister's uh, boyfriend at the time had a younger brother that was my age. She's seven years older than me. So um, he, he was he was like maybe a couple months older than me and he was playing hockey. Uh, he got a new pair of skates, asked me if I wanted his old pair of skates. So that was kind of like my first pair of skates from him. Um, I got into it. I started playing. And then actually, I went to like a pickup uh, drop-in hockey event. And there happened to be a, a coach there who I ended up playing for for the next eight years. But um, he asked me if I was interested in playing hockey, uh, even though it was the first time I've ever like really played a hockey game he asked me if I wanted to come play for his team. So I, my parents didn't know much about it. We said, sure. We tried it out and he ended up becoming one of like the most influential role models in my life um, as a hockey coach over the next seven to eight years that I lived in Colorado. And now even till this day, um, we, we still keep in, in contact. We still uh, talk about working together in the future, um, coaching together and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of weird how I got all involved with hockey, but um, his name was Dave Fromm. He he was one of the best coaches I've ever played for, and I owe a lot of my success in hockey to his development uh, as a coach when I was when I was growing up. All right, and then and then you retired, and all is well, and you're you're working at the local Burger King, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no. So you went from Colorado to columbus i had a shortstop in indianapolis i played for the racers for two years um i played yeah double a uh so really i I never played triple a in my in my life up until the year before i went to the ohl for one year so and and i'm big on um stressing to future generations now and and kids coming up that i think a lot of our hockey world is chasing having a letter in front of their their resume. Um, but a lot of kids I grew up with in Colorado, we didn't really even have AAA. We traveled for AAA summer tournaments, but as far as organizations, 
they didn't really exist. So a lot of the kids that you see from Colorado grew up playing double A slash maybe double A, triple A. But I, I did not play one year of trip. I played one year of triple A in my life. Um, and that was the year before I was drafted into the OHL. So I played double A in Indianapolis. Then I moved to Columbus when I was like getting out of Bantam major going into midget minor. Got it. Got it. So at that point, you'd moved from Indianapolis to Columbus, played a year of AAA in Columbus, and then ended up in the OHL? Yeah, that's correct. So one year of AAA here. Um, after my year of AAA here, I was drafted to – I kind of had the trifecta of options that you you want as a 15-year-old. I was drafted into the USHL, first round Chicago Steel. Um, I was drafted by Sarnia in the OHL, and then I also went to – NTDP final 40 camp um, and did the the USA uh, option as well. So I kind of had three, three really good choices to choose from, which is a lot on a 16 year old's plate at that time. I was just turning 16 and I ended up going to the OHL and, and I think it was the, the right decision. Awesome. So as you're building yourself um, in your career, you know, what was the, main focus or how did you go about doing so? Cause obviously Dallas, not much of a hockey market getting bigger, um, especially back in those days, probably a little rough. Then you go to a shortstop in Indianapolis. I wouldn't say they're known for their hockey. And then you come to Columbus, which has a great triple a program that you, you found yourself into, but realistically um, relatively limited infrastructure back when you were coming through Uh curious about how you went about just building your game. You know, I would say you've got your hardware and your software, uh, hardware being, you know, physical tools, muscle building, muscle fitness, all that. And then software, hockey IQ, how you play the game, you know, how good can you sauce a puck or rip a rip a corner? Yeah. So you hit the, the nail right on the head. Indianapolis wasn't a very big hockey market. Um, and it's really still not till this day it's growing, but it's not huge. And then Columbus, when I got here, uh, we were actually the first team ever to go to nationals, I believe, from that AAA organization. So um, it was a long time ago, but they were they were still new and, and upcoming, and it's grown a lot since then. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very established um, because so and similar to when I grew up in Colorado, the Abs had just moved there, and now um, you know when I got to Columbus, it was kind of like the Blue Jackets were still kind of new and still trying to gain popularity among people in Ohio. Um, so I, I spend a lot of my, my off seasons really just trying to work on skills myself. Um, didn't have access to a lot of camps and never really traveled to do week long camps at these, at these big popular names, uh, that you see. So I just spent a lot of time in the basement, spent a lot of time on sport court, uh, working on shooting, working on hands. And then I watched a lot of film. I mean, Pavel Datsuk is my favorite player growing up. I've, I've watched more Pavel Datsuk content probably than, than any other content I've, I've taken in, in my life. Um, and you can, I think you can learn a lot from watching video like that. So that was how most, I, most of my hockey IQ and my, my hockey, uh, concepts came from video and, and then just putting what I saw in video into, into real life action. Oh man. Can you give us some examples of some of those things? As far as like Dasuk and stuff. Um, yep. Like, so just the way he goes into to puck battles, stick positioning, body position, um, making reads on, on 
defenseman's feet, making reads on defenseman stick positioning uh, when you're in one-on-ones. Um, there's a lot you can learn if you just kind of break it down and put it almost in slow motion. Um, he was such a magician with a puck, but I don't think a lot of people realize the reason why he was so good at that is because he took in all of that as he was skating and kind of processed it and then made the best move. Whereas most guys I'm decide I'm going to make this move when I get up there, whether it works or not, they have that move predetermined where that's everything was read and react based on body, their feet, which way they're skating, which way their stick was being held, you know? Um, so he, he was really fun to learn from. All right. So you, you, you got to give us some of what's in the sausage here. So you're reading feet as you're playing the game. Is that, is that am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. So, and I can dive, I can dive into this a little bit more. So, um, you know, I, all the things that defensemen talk about, like, and you'll hear coaches, good coaches talk about, like, you never want your, you know, your toes, um, going the wrong way, you know, toes, toes to the boards, uh, defensemen are taught to get inside the dots when they're, when they're skating backwards to defend, they want to be close together. Um, a lot of defensive coaches will talk about steering, um, or surfing. That's a, that's a popular term. So steering is basically the, they use their stick to try to force a defender or a force an offensive player to go a certain way. So you can actually use steering to your advantage. Um, McDavid does it very well, as well as, as he'll, he'll read a steer where the defenseman maybe wants to push him to the outside. So he'll sell like he's going to go outside and wait until his feet turn, and then he'll cut to the middle and he'll, he'll gain five or six feet of space, all because the defenseman thinks he's doing what he's supposed to do. I'm going to get McDavid to go outside. I'm going to turn because he is going outside. And then as he's turning, McDavid's going the other way and then he's gone, you know? So a lot of, a lot of times you see these McDavid goals where you're like, holy cow, how did he get that open? And a lot of it's puck manipulation of, I think I'm going, I'm going to make you think I'm going this way. And then as soon as you commit to going that way, now I'm going the other way. Got it. And then he's working those triangles, probably often a weak stick where it's only one hand on. Right. Uh, got it. Yep. Okay. So w- what about, uh, you talked about how that suit was unbelievable at reading and reacting in real time compared to someone who maybe read and then reacted with the information and struggled to change course. Curious, maybe a situation where you stole a read from that suit. Um, wow. Well, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I'd hate to even compare myself to do anything similar to Datsu just because how good he was. But uh, there's there's one one that comes to mind. It was my first year um, ever uh, in the OH, first year ever first year in the OHL. Uh, I kind of I had the puck in in the neutral zone, and I was skating right up the middle. And most like I, I had an opportunity kind of for a breakaway. Uh, but it was a one-on-two the defensemen were kind of split apart. So I, I looked with my body as I, I don't know how you can explain that, but I turned my shoulders a little bit as I was skating and looked to the right. And, and then I pushed the puck to the left. So I had the defenseman on my right, read my body and move to the outside. I pushed the puck to the left. Like I was going to pass it to the left, that defenseman read the puck went that way and they both kind of just like 
parted the Red Sea and I skated right up the middle of the ice untouched and scored. Um, so, and that's something that Datsuk did a lot with, with body manipulation and puck manipulation to get defensemen to move. So I, I tried it because it was like a situation where if it didn't work, I still probably could have just entered the zone and got a shot on goal. But I, I turned a really a nothing play into a, a an untouched breakaway, like not even a slash. Um, it was I skated right down the middle of the ice and scored. That's sick. Uh, we need video of this goal, by the way. So yeah, if you I have need to it, find it. Set, set, I, I played the the worst part about when I played in the OHL was it was so long ago that the video, it, all my video from the OHL looks like it was filmed with a potato, you know, like it was, <laughs> it, it was a while back. Yeah. Yeah. But that's sick. I, I mean, I, I've done, I love doing that even in pickup, like there's no one possibly on the right side, you know, you're playing right defense. There's no one right up the wall and you just throw it like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to throw a pass up there. There's literally no one there. And, yeah. but you know, the person's looking at you, they don't know any better. So you can usually get the first layer, sometimes the second layer to look that way. And then you just no look it into the middle for a little touch play. Like, yep. Dude, love, love that false information that you're giving off. Uh, truly you, you're taking a piece of Pavel and implementing that in your game. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm curious. So, so you're watching video, you're working on skills in your basement. Did you work a lot on skating where you're focused on just ripping pucks and as many as you can get in? Or are you working on your hands because you didn't have, you know, your super deakers of the world and, and things like that? You, did you like hang a can from the net, you know, old school? Yeah. So um, golf balls, I use a lot of golf balls for stick handling. I mean, that was like the, there's so many tools today that you can use um, that I just didn't they might've been around, but I didn't use them. I used a golf ball to stick handle. Um, I used blindfolds when I was stick handling on concrete. And then I took, I took four to 500 shots a day. Um, so I, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer. If you want to get better at something, you gotta, you gotta do it over and over and over again. So, um, you know, I, I think that 400 to 500 shots a day is a lot. And, you know, if you're a parent or if you're even a kid listening to this, you're like, I probably take 75 to hundred shots a day and I'm exhausted, you know? Um, but I think that hockey is a sport that you can relate to many other things. You know, a, a violinist, if they want to be good, they tell you practice an hour a day. You know, if you play the piano, same thing, dart, dart players go throw darts at the board for an hour. Hockey happens to be a little bit more physically demanding, but it's the same thing. If you want to get better at something, it's repetition, repetition. And the whole practice makes perfect um, mindset is not something I ever believed in because you'll never be perfect, but uh, practicing creates good habits and, and better results. Okay. So let's take one step back and go to the early part of the response. And then we'll dig into this later part of the response. So you were, you were stick handling blindfolded on purpose. Yeah. So what I would do actually, and I, I kind of made my own device. I would go to like, get like a dollar store pair of sunglasses. Um, and then I, I would tape cardboard, uh, like little pieces of about square cardboard, about this big, uh, about, you know, the size of a hockey puck. And I would tape them underneath the, the bottom side of the glasses. So you couldn't look down. So I could look like up, um, because eventually I would stick handle, stick handle, and then grab a puck and shoot. So I wanted to be able to see my target. But as far as like looking down at the ball, when I was stick handling, I could not see it. Um, and I, I, I wanted that because I think a lot of 
players say, and you'll even see in the NHL, a lot of plays are missed because we're staring at the puck, you know? Um, and I wanted to be able to play with my head up and, and see as much as I could, because if you can't see it, you can't react and you can't take advantage of it. So I, and it would drive me nuts when I was playing with kids growing up that I was wide open. I didn't get the puck. I was like, dude, did you not see me? And, and a lot of times their genuine, honest answer is no, I didn't, you know? So it's like, how do you get mad at a player that didn't see you? But I told myself, I don't want to be that guy. I need to be able to see them, you know? Oh man. I, I love that. Uh, yeah. I was playing pickup last night with a kid. Great, great player. Um, you know, he's going to play NCDC juniors next year, but Oh my God, I, I wanted to like strangle him because he just could not see anything. Couldn't have any, like had no vision, just great one-on-one player. And clearly was physically dominant guy. And you're, you're exactly right. Like you don't want to be that guy because you hate that guy. When you ever, you go out on the ice. Exactly. And like, if anybody's seen my, my stick, um, I spray paint my stick white for a couple reasons. One of them being, I don't want to see my stick when I'm skating. I only want to see the puck and my, and my like surrounding vision, my peripheral vision. So having a white stick, what it does is it blends my stick into the ice. So as I'm looking up, I don't see my stick. All I see is the puck. So it's easier for me to, to look at my surroundings, look at my area and keep the puck on my stick because it's more, you know, a black puck stands out on a white ice with white tape and white stick more so than if there was other aspects involved. Man, you're, you're getting really resourceful with altering your equipment, your gear first starts your sunglasses. Now it's your stick. Yeah. What, what else are you doing to your, your equipment? Um, nothing really other than, so I'm, I, I found, I think if you find something you like, you should keep it. So I still wear Reebok, um, pumps as skates. So I've had them so long since they are the Reebok seven K, um, during that time, Reebok bought, got bought up by CCM. Now they're, they became CCM 50 K pumps. And that happened in like 2000, what, 2016, maybe. And then they stopped making them. Um, so that was six years ago, but I kept ordering them. And now I think they're, they just discontinued them. So the Reebok guy sent me a couple pairs, um, well, more than a couple, but he, he sent me a bunch of pairs, I guess I could say to, to have in like a stock fold. Um, as they start going bad, I can, I can just dive into the, the treasure chest and pull out a new pair. Uh, Cause I don't think they're going to make them anymore, but that's, I, I will not change my skates. I will, I will fight for those things as long as I can because they're so comfortable and so many players have hurt feet. And it's like, you can't focus on hockey if you're thinking about how much your feet hurt. True, true, true. Um, man, it makes me think back to coaches when I was young and they still had the, the old tax. Yeah. Those are classics. So yeah. You're going to be that same guy. Where'd you get those pumps, man? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that'll be funny. Um, and, and now fast forwarding to the second part of your answer there. You talked about shooting four to 500 pucks a day. Uh, one, I have to imagine you've got some serious hockey hands and, and the calluses, you know, right on your palm and right yep. there at the end of your knuckles uh, on the inside. Um, one, how many blisters have you had? Two, how many times have you popped it to the point where it bleeds? And uh, three, did it really hurt that bad? 
Yeah. So over time you develop a little bit tougher hands, you know, um, I did things to make it a little bit easier. Like I would, I would put a softer, uh, knob on my stick, you know, like maybe not so tough with the tape and the grip tape and stuff that you would normally use in the game. Like I would use a little bit of clear tape. Um, so it was a little bit like more smooth on your hands. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand down there and do 500 all at once, but consistently through the day, I would take, you know, 75 to a hundred, go take a break, go eat wherever it may be. Um, and then go back down, do another 75 to a hundred, which 75 to a hundred is not a lot. I mean, if you, if you're ripping shots, you could do it in 25, 30 minutes, um, reasonably. So, you know, that's two hours a day ish taking shots to get to four to 500, which is not in my mind is not a lot. Um, when you're doing it for something you want to do for work when you're older, you know, um, putting in that amount of time, like you think about, you go play pond hockey or at tournaments growing up, you could spend four or five hours on the ice a day, right? Which is extremely taxing on the body. So going down to the basement and shooting at a net for two hours a day is, is not a big, it's not a big ask. You just have to be, you know, dedicated to it. But I had, you know, there's been blisters, there's, there's blood, um, a lot of band-aids, but eventually you just kind of, it just becomes part of life. And we just rip into rip them as hard as you can. Were you focused on accuracy? Was there a certain technique you were trying to develop? You know, like as you're going through your development and like, I think of Austin Matthews of how he's completely changed his shot mechanics. And, you know, that's ridiculous that he's done it at the highest level, but I'm curious of how you've developed your shot over time and what your focuses have been. Yeah. So I, I played games uh, with myself. Um, I'd play, you know, I'd have to do a 40 puck, uh, challenge. I need to hit 30 posts and 40 pucks. If I didn't hit 30 posts and 40 pucks, I would start over. I'd do it again. Um, I would do something I called the Stanley cup. I would play games, you know, with me versus me, uh, playing, like you got to hit the left target. If you hit the left target, the next guy who was also me had to hit the left target. If I didn't, it was game one, you know, and then it was, game two was the right target and play best of seven series. So I, I created things in the basement. I had a whiteboard um, next to my shooting thing that I would keep score, uh, you know, keep track of, of my points. I would make up games with points, you know, crossbars worth three uh, posts are worth two uh, targets are worth one. And I'd have to get to a hundred points before I left the basement, you know? Um, so I, I would create little games like that because when you're just standing there blindly shooting at a net, not aiming for anything, you're just taking shots to take shots. It can be a little uh, like, you know, it can get old quickly, but when you're competing, even if it's with yourself, you're getting better, but you're, it doesn't feel as like work. It feels like you're having fun. It feels like you're playing games, you know? And did you ever have friends over to compete with you or did you mostly compete with yourself? I had friends that came over um, and we would play uh, most of the time, actually uh, when my friends come over, I would jump in net and I'd play goal. Cause I, I would love working on, you know, hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. Um, and I think it was really, you can learn a lot about being a player, being a goalie. And when you're a kid, everybody wants to be goalie. And I had pads. So my friends would always come over and shoot on me. And then when my friends would leave, I'd, I'd take the gear off and then go work on shooting again. <laughs> Okay, got you. Um, 
still want to go back to the technique and how you focused on shooting, but then I also would love to dive into goaltending and what you learned from playing goalie. Cause uh, I think that is a massive competitive advantage. If you know how a goalie moves and what's actually hard uh, on a goalie. Not, I feel like not enough shooters actually focus on the goalie and what they're trying to do and more so like, how can I shoot harder? So yeah. let's, let's start one with the technique that you're going through and how you maybe have changed your shot over time. And then two, let's, let's talk about goaltending. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so technique wise, there's actually kind of a science to the, the speed of your release, um, and changing the angle of a shot. Um, so the faster the, everybody just wants a hard shot, right? Hard shot, hard shot, but the quicker you can release the puck, your shot doesn't actually have to be, super hard if you can manipulate your release and uh release it quickly um there's a guy named tim turk out of toronto that teaches how to release the puck quickly when you shoot so i I watched some videos of his um as well he works with matthews he works with a bunch of scorers in nhl he he believes that if you can get the puck off your stick quickly and in the right area your shot doesn't have to be hard. And you'll see guys like that. Um, I, I used to train with a guy named Pat Canoni. He's a Columbus guy. He went to Miami of Ohio. He doesn't shoot the puck very hard. I mean, it's still hard. It's, he played in the NHL, so it's, it's a hard shot. But um, I think if you put my shot next to his, it would be it, – it's a significant difference in speed. But he scores a lot because he, he manipulates the puck and he puts it in the perfect area every single time. Like – nine times out of 10, he's hitting his spot. Um, and he is a, is a prime example of a guy that it doesn't have to be hundred miles an hour to go on the net. It just has to be in the right area of the net and has to be a quick release. And he's got an unbelievable release and he's, and he scores. So, um, that's, and then you look at other guys like Ovechkin, he's got a great release, but he shoots, as hard as you can every time he shoots, you know, if, if it doesn't go where he wants it, it's okay because there's still a good chance that it's so fast. That it's going to go on the net. So technique wise, um, I worked on my release a lot. I would try to pick up a puck out of a pile release as quick as I can. Um, everything's in tight to my body. Um, I try to get the puck as close to my feet as I can when I release it. Uh, so it's, it's changing the angle because obviously nobody skates around with their, their stick by their feet. Um, it's, it's out uh, almost like a, on a, a, an angle to the side. So I try to pull the puck into my feet and then use a very whippy stick that allows my stick to bend and, and get my shot off as quickly as I can. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of uh, what you're talking about, if I remember correctly, is all about how fast can you just basically like jolt with the, uh, the hand there and more so hand through the stick. How quick is that? Right. Uh, if I remember correctly. Yep. All right. Number two, goaltending. What'd you learn playing goalie? Okay. So playing and also, um, and I've, I've talked about this in, in other podcasts and stuff is there's a guy named Jeff Saleko who, who lives in Columbus. Um, you, you probably know him if you have a, if you have a goalie or if you've ever, uh, have a goalie friend, he, they've probably worked with Jeff. He's, he's been the goalie coach for the Red Wings for the past, uh, multiple years now. Um, when I was living here in the summers, he would invite me to shoot on his goalies and working with his goalies and listening to him coach them. I give a lot of my goal scoring, um, like ability credit to him because I would learn from him 
what he was teaching goalies. So I would go and listen, you know, every time we do a drill, all the other players I, I see are on the ice that are shooters are just kind of messing around waiting for the drill to start. And I'm standing right there with the goalies listening to what he's looking at. Every time a goal went in, he's correcting them. He's telling them what to do, um, where their legs should be, where their hands should be. So the more you learn about goalies, the more you can use it to your advantage. I know that when a goalie comes side to side, um, you know, when you're going behind the net, from a lot of times they'll go paddle down if it's going to their six side. They teach paddle down, you know, leg on the post. So knowing that when I'm going behind the net, if they're going paddle down, if I'm going to pass, I have to pass in the air. I have to sauce, um, you know, or if I'm coming around from the top of the circles uh, outside the dots, a lot of time they're in something called overlap where their, their leg is outside of the post to take away short side. So how can I get them from overlap to traditional um, with a puck and then now open up that short side because far side might not be available, you know? So that's all, that's all things you can, you can do with the puck. You know, when I'm coming outside the dots, if I see him in overlap, okay, I need to change the angle, push the puck to the middle a little bit to get him to move back into his original positioning to open up that short side. Now I can pull it and release short side. So I just opened up a hole that might not have been there a second and a half ago. Um, and it all, it all happens really quickly, but when you, when you start to learn some of these goalie tendencies, um, it, it almost becomes like more natural to your, your thought process on scoring goals. Like a lot of the holes you score in hockey aren't there before you shoot, but you know, they're going to be there after you shoot, you know, because the way a goalie moves, the way he goes down. Um, so, and then playing goalie, you know, most, uh, most of the time I would just think about where I would shoot as I was standing in the net and then try to make the save and take it away. So I learned, you know, like if you show, if you show a player, that this is open, most of the time they're going to try to shoot there. So, you know, you you do it when you're a kid. I'm sure if you ever play goal, you'd give him glove. I'm going to give him glove so he shoots glove. And then you, as right as he's about to shoot, you step to the left and make a huge glove save, you know. Um, so, you know, stuff like that where goalie positioning and, and how they kind of – because goalies are playing too. They're trying to manipulate us just like we're we're trying to manipulate them. So their their manipulation and their tendencies are, are fun to learn about as well. Yeah, and how goalies move is absolutely vital. Um, I love it, as in like finding ways to score on the ice. I just think that's the ultimate uh, f you to a goalie because you know they they love stopping us and they give that energy back. So I want to just you know try to be a mirror and give it right back to them. So like, just messing with their feet. Uh, I'm I'm curious about that aspect of it. Of just like how does a goalie move? What are you looking for? Let's say that you're coming down on a breakaway. What 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 are you processing? Um. So first you have to know if a goalie catches with his right or his left. Um, it's getting more and more popular, especially with, you know, goalies who are coming from overseas, they're catching with their right hand. Um, so you, you have to know their hand positioning. Um, so my, my thing on a breakaway is everybody needs to have a breakaway move in their mind that they are consistent at, whether it's shoot five hole, go backhand, whatever. Um, and then you make a read as you come down, is my move going to work? And you have to have a counter move for if your move is not going to work. So, so me, I go five hole. Um, I shoot right on the ice uh, under their, under their triangle of their stick. If it's a left handed catching goalie, um, there's a space where their stick and their pad has, a, has an opening. 
But if I come there and he has a different stick position where his stick is a little bit more to the right on him and I can't shoot five hole, then my counter is fake, pull it to my backhand, open up, and then go five hole backhand. So um, it's just all about, you know, some goalies are super aggressive. They're going to poke check. Well, if they poke check, then I'm shooting right away, right? As soon as I see his hand go to move, I'm firing a five hole because he can't be down and poke checking and have a good five hole all at the same time. You know, it just, it doesn't happen. So, um, there, yeah, there's a lot to take in. Um, you know, a lot of goalies today challenge extremely well. They come out of their, their net, um, and they try to match their speed. So can I change my speed to try to throw him off? Uh, it, 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 there's a lot of characteristics of a breakaway that go into it. Am I being chased? Do I have time? You know, um, but I think shootouts, shootouts are my favorite part because it's completely your time to do whatever you want and, and get the goalie guessing on what you're going to do. And you can really throw the goalie off by even by slowing down or by speeding up, you know, a half a step. Love it. Messing with the depth. Uh, goalies hate that. Absolutely yep. hate it. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, love that you're doing that. Oh, man. I remember uh, playing some roller hockey with you and just how you, you made goalies look like idiots by doing these types of things. So uh, I actually want to get into the impact of roller hockey and what it's had on you and your game. Yeah. Roller hockey. I mean, any, any skills that I developed um, through hockey, I, I give credit to roller hockey, the, the puck work, the, the vision thinking while you have the puck um, patience, it's all, it's all based on the game of roller hockey. And I've heard many times over my career from many coaches that I play ice like I played roller, um, which is some, some would say that's a bad thing. Some would say that's a fantastic thing. Um, just depends on who your coach is. I mean, Patty but, Maroon is, is like, and same with Perron, you know, I think they, they may have played for USA at yep. roller hockey nationals and worlds and all that stuff. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. That's a compliment right there. Yeah. So you're starting to see more roller guys, Troy Terry. Uh, he grew up in Colorado. I've played with him. I've actually coached him as well. Um, in the roller game. Um, there's a lot of players that grew up playing roller and you look at them and, and I've never seen a, a player who's played roller, not have good hands. Like it's just like a thing because roller, you can't, you, the puck doesn't do any work for you. Like if you stop stick handling, the, you lose the puck. Um, it'll stop on the floor, right? And now we have better technology where the puck slides a little bit better. But even so, if you if you get going full speed in ice and you skate and you don't touch the puck for 10 seconds, the puck will still be with you. It'll keep up with you. Or in roller, if you don't touch the puck for three seconds, the puck stops and you got to stop and go back and get it. So just the whole mindset of keeping the puck almost glued to your stick and roller hockey, it develops skills, you know, because it has to, you have no choice. If you want to skate with the puck and roller, you have to bring the puck with you. Um, and the creativity involved, you know, there's more space, there's more, uh, if you don't like a play, you're going to, instead of just dumping it in or forcing something, you're going to curl back and try to create another play off of what wasn't there. So I, I love roller. I, I played every summer. Um, I've been to, I've been to every roller tournament. Um, there's three major ones that I've played at, um, and I've won at, at all of them. It's it's 
probably some of the best memories of my life are playing roller hockey. Man, I I think you said it so well, like roller hockey. I only picked it up later in college with uh, our boy, Joey Nehe, yep. uh, when, when we were at University of Akron. Um, and it's a completely different feel to the game. You know, the dumping is the dumbest thing possible. And, you know, in hockey, sometimes coaches are recommending it to go change. Like, yeah, I, I think that everyone on your team in roller hockey would absolutely throw an absolute hissy fit, like a four-year-old child, if you dump the puck. <laughs> oh, man. So, actually, we, pl- we played together in roller hockey. Now I think about it in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and we did. You, you had a sick, sick snipe. Um, curious on how you play roller different. Do you play the goalies different because they can't move as well? Are you – like, do you shift your mindset of like how you're going to play when you're on ice versus roller? Um, I mean a little bit, but in the sense of goalies, um, the only thing maybe I do different is I, I try to get them going side to side because they can't slide. Right. So if you can get a goalie to have to get into a situation where he has to move, um, laterally, that's, that's the word, right. Laterally quickly. Um, they're, they're going to struggle with that. So uh, that's the only really thing I, I change is I, I really try to change the angle like drastically before I shoot, because I know they can't just, you know, keep push over. Like they have to really like move their feet, literally step over to the right to, to get over there. So, um, and then, you know, a lot more, uh, creativity in my shot selection because a lot of goalies play deeper in roller hockey because they don't want to get beat back door. There's a lot of backdoor opportunities. So the deeper they are in the net, the easier it is for them to kind of get over um, and make saves like that. So I try to get a goalie as deep as I can and, and really sell pass, sell pass. And then the more net that opens up, then I'm firing. Um, it, it's actually funny. I've played, there's a tournament called Palma Invitational at State Wars uh, where they, they invite the top 10 teams in the world to play in this event. Um, and I was just laughing the other day. I haven't had a, an assist in Palma pro in three years. Um, but I've been in the top 10 in scoring in the tournament every year I've, I've played in it in the last three years. So I was like, maybe I'll get an assist one, one of these days. Um, but as far as if you ask me if I'm a shooter or a passer, I think if you, if you saw my roller hockey stats, you would figure that answer out pretty quickly. It's, uh, yeah, you would think that you might just miss your spot just a hair and there'd be a rebound there for someone else. You know, get your That's assist. That's what I'm saying. Like, just give me one. Just give me one assist. <laughs> Jeez, maybe you shouldn't score so much. Ugh. Pass off pads, right? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, moving on to what you're currently doing, uh, you're part of Three Ice and uh, Team Carbono. So, Obviously, you've had a great career uh, in the minor leagues, scoring a lot, having a lot of fun. Um, I, I love the photos on Facebook where you're just, you know, having fun, giving a high five to a kid through the glass. Uh, obviously, you're a great guy. I'm curious about uh, the ramped up level of competition that's going to happen with three ice, because obviously this probably suits your game really well with all of the uh, the hands, possession, things that basically you're going to take from roller hockey in your pro career and transition them to three ice. So uh, curious what you're excited for, how you're preparing for that. Yeah. So um, three ice is, is obviously right up my wheelhouse. It's, it's fast. I mean, we, when we went to the tryout camp, 
and Vegas, it was up and down action goals, unbelievable plays. I mean, so that kind of suits my game um, perfectly. And it's, it's, it's a great league. All the coaches are hall of famers. Um, the commissioner of the league, the owner of the league, it's, there's so many Stanley cups involved uh, between these guys. It's, it's just incredible. So the fact that I'm a part of their inaugural season is something that I, I will never take for granted. Like this is such a cool experience for me. Um, when I got invited to the tryout, uh, it was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be a tough league to make. I'm not going to get my hopes up. Um, so it was, it was a little bit weird because, you know, usually when you go into a tryout, you're really confident and you're like, you know, I, I can make this, you know, like I have a good chance, but this one, when I see, when I saw the amount of NHL, KHL, American league, um, resumes, I mean, guys who've played a hundred plus games, Ryan Malone, like we're talking full NHL careers. Um, I was like, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm not really going to have to grind my way into this league. Um, not in the aspect of, you know, grinding like a hockey player would, but just grind, like work hard and, and do what I do best. So when we were in Vegas, uh, I, when we, when we were doing our like trial event, um, I scored quite a bit and I, I just was literally playing roller hockey on ice, being creative with the puck, doing, doing fancy things, um, because there's no checking. So you can get away with that kind of stuff. And I was told I was being drafted by, by Carbono and it was kind of like a, a hockey career life-changing event. Um, which is, is weird to think about when you're, when you're 28 and you've been in the minors since you were, you know, 22, um, that something could happen this late in your, in your career that would be that have much that have that much of an impact. But this is definitely something that there's only six teams of six players. So 36 players in the country and I, I get to be one of them. So this is like, this is such a, a dream come true for me as far as the style of league, the style of play and what I'm built for. I mean, I, I can't wait to get going. All right, let's let's play out some scenarios here. So you've got a two-on-one as usual, and you're coming down on the right side of the ice. So your stick's towards the inside. You know, okay. what, what can we expect out of JC? You know, what, what's your read? Um, you know, I can probably dress it up and say that I'm thinking pass, which probably maybe isn't true. Um <laughs> I'm thinking I'm where am I scoring um, and how can I get the goalie to think I'm passing and the defenseman to think I'm passing. So uh, I, I would probably open up my blade a little bit um, and not in the sense of like pull it to my backhand, but open up my blade. So my top hand goes out and it looks like I'm, I'm thinking pass. I'm in an area where I could pass and then I'm probably going to go short side um, either top glove or over the pad. Um, and then if, if that reads not there, then I will, I will try to go under the stick to the guy going back door. Um, but that's my first read is, is how can I make the goalie think that I'm passing and the defense that I'm passing so I can shoot. Shooter's got to shoot. It's the same read on the left side where you're looking to go short side, uh, stick or over the blocker. Yeah. So the reads on the left side are either top blocker or five hole. All right. Talk us through the five hole. I think, I think we just lost a lot of guests on why you would go five hole. So, um, 
when you're when you're coming down as a lefty on on the left side of the rink, my sticks to the outside, right? So first thing I would do is I would I would try to put the puck more central um, and not to the outside of my body because I want the puck in front of me. That way I can I can make a quick pass if I need to. Um, but when I change the angle from the middle of my body back to the outside, like I'm going to shoot, the goalie is going to have to adjust. And typically when goalies adjust their positioning, their stick is the first thing that gets lazy. They adjust everything and then their stick because they're thinking legs, hands, body, and then stick. That's like the, the process of what happens, um, whether they mean to do it or not. So when I bring that puck from the middle back to the outside, quick release on the ice. And a lot of times their, their stick is still in the process of adjusting with what their body just did. That's why five hole. Got it. You've seen Matthews do that a few times uh, as well. Yeah. And actually uh, there was a cool video um, I had of, so if you, you search on Twitter at coach Revac and we talk about uh, Cole Caulfield, working with um, Adam Nicholas, who's going to be coming on the podcast shortly, uh, just talking about puck positioning coming down. So he's a righty on the right side and having that puck out in front. If yep. you take it from here, move it over here, and then boom, that's when you go five hole, at least sell the pass. Um, so I, I call it puck positioning with scorer's intent. So that's fantastic. Good. Well, thanks for walking us through those reads. Uh, I mean, that's highly impactful stuff. It's, it's not just playing the game, but how do we read the game? And that feeds directly into your ability to coach after uh, you're done playing. So I, I think that's what you're, you're getting into. Yeah. Um, so like my, my goal would be to play till I'm 35. Uh, that's kind of like my, my benchmark. Obviously I want to have kids. Um, I want my kids to be able to see me play. So I think at 35, that's when a lot of these, you see a lot of guys starting to either get towards the end of their career where they're, they've lost a step and they're just trying to keep up. Um, or, you know, their, their bodies are just so broken down. So, um, 35 is my, is my goal. If I can get to, I'm 35, uh, that gives me like a 12, 13 ish year career in pro, um, which I, I I'll be really happy with. And then, uh, hopefully get into coaching. So if I, if I can map out my plan, um, obviously and there's a lot of things in the hockey world that you try to map out and never goes that way. But my, my goal, I would say is to go to Europe, um, and play four, five years in Europe. Um, now I'm at 33, 34, come back, uh, play a year in the ECHL with the opportunity of when I'm after that season to get hired as an assistant coach. Um, it's not super common, but it is happening more where ECHL teams and American league teams are hiring guys that have recently just played for the organization. So when my Europe career is over and I decide I'm coming back, the, the thought process is get in contact with teams that, um, what, if they offer me a contract, I would say I'll come play for a year as a player coach, um, player assistant coach, which is, is common in the ECHL. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of my, my season, I'd want to interview for an assistant coaching job and, and hopefully a team is willing to, to offer that with my, my coaching resume, um, that I've, I've built over the last couple of years. And then I can get right into the game of coaching. Um, if that doesn't work out scouting consulting, um, I already do a little bit of consulting now I'm trying to build that as well. So 
I think I'll be involved in the game of hockey for maybe forever, um, for as long as I can. But that's that's kind of where I I hope my career trajectory ends up. Awesome. Well, you're a good Columbus boy, um, and we'll continue to chat and you know be friend of the the newsletter and podcast. We're open to all ideas, or if you want to get ghost write for us or guest write for us, we are 100 on board to uh, helping JC because. Clearly, as you walk us through the reads, they're fantastic uh, and something everyone can learn from. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Good luck on your three ice journey and then hopefully uh, finding a place relatively shortly, if you haven't already, uh, in Europe. And then we'll we'll kick off the journey. Yeah. And hopefully when this episode airs, we are getting ready for the, the championship of three ice and getting ready to win some money. Hell yeah. You, you got to get some of that, that $2 million out there, right? Yep, exactly. Awesome. Cheers. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you, Buttes, here next week for a brand new episode.